All right, all right, all right. Welcome back. It's Fit Nation. All right, let's welcome to the Misfit Nation, Kevin Boyle, a retired colonel from the U.S. Army Judge Advocate General Corps, a marathoner. He likes to share fitness and leadership lessons learned from his six decades of marathons and three decades of Army life. Welcome to the show, Kevin. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. And thank you for your service, of course. Uh, it's a long time to serve and wear the uniform or wear the boots and then switch over to suits, I guess, or polos and teaching in school now. So how's that going? How's your transition? Well, my transition actually was really good. And my tr- transition actually goes back 40 years in a way. All right. Um, so first off, the, the military was something my dad talked about a lot, but it was never something I really considered. Like when I was in 10th grade, we were down in Washington, D.C., um, taking a, a walk around the mall and two Marines go jogging by. He goes, look, if you join the Army, you can run at the mall during lunchtime. And I'm like, okay, I got it. Um, and then I've, ne- I've run at the mall a lot of times, but never at lunch. I've done it like five in the morning, but not, not at lunch. So he kind of talked about it. My dad had been in the army. So we all had ranks growing up, um, but we ne- our ranks never changed. We never got promoted. We never got demoted, but we had ranks when we were growing up and you had to get your dinner by your rank. You had to line up um, rank order to go past the line. He'd give you the food and say, take as much as you want, but eat all you want. And then when we got an allowance on Sunday night, it was like payday, where he'd give you allowance and then take the payday deductions for broken lamps and stuff. So I was kind of used to that growing up. Um, and then um, when I was thinking about going to college, um, I, I was kind of, my dad had talked about Naval Academy, West Point, because um, I had been running a lot in high school. I did my first marathon when I was 15 years old. Um, so I got a track scholarship to St. John's. And the track coach there at the time uh, was a guy named Matt Sensuitz. Um, his son just won the Olympics in 2016 for the mile. Um, and Matt was the coach at American and he had the America record for the 3.1 miles. Um, he ran 1310, which is a, for 3.1 miles, which is actually good two mile on the BT test. Yes. So Matt was my coach at St. John's. Um, and while I was there, I was kind of thinking about going to law school but I kind of wanted a backup plan too. So I got a degree in education and I would see the ROTC people there. And I was like, Oh my gosh, who are these weirdos? Like I never, like, cause they'd be using the track after we finished practice. So um, it was really not something really on my radar. And then I went to law school and while I was in law, I went to night law school. And during the day I was a high school gym teacher, high school track coach. And I loved it. It was, it was the best job ever. Um, so I went to law school and then my fourth year of law school, because when you go at night, it's an extra year. My fourth year of law school, I started to go to interviews and my interviews were a wreck because during the summers I was a lifeguard at the beach and then I was a track coach and my resume was kind of barren. So I went to one law firm interview and man, it was horrible. The guy was like, tell me how many hours they work. I was like, I'll be dead by the time I'm 30. So I got home and my dad's in the backyard and he's like, join the army. And I'm like, what? They got lawyers? He's like, yeah, it's awesome. Um, he goes, you'll be an officer, because he was enlisted. You'll be an officer. You'll go to the officer's club every night for dinner. You'll play golf every day. I mean, it's totally out of whack. Um, I went to the officer's club maybe like twice when he came to visit. Um, and I never played golf, but he had a very distorted view. 
um, he was kind of peppering me with all this like 1940s era stuff. You'll get to see Bob Hope on a USO tour. You'll you'll go on maneuvers. So he, he interested me. So um, he said, you'll get a lot of legal experience right away. So I like that. And he said, the, the Army's also got a running team. So I said, oh, this is really good. So I applied and got accepted. And then I came in, I, I took the bar exam in the summer. Um, and then I came in six months later, I came in in January. The day before I came in, by the way, I shaved my head. My brother's like, shave your head now, you'll save time at the barber shop. So I get down to Fort Lee, everybody's got hair. And I said to, to the top, I'm like, why do they got hair? He's like, you can have hair. It just has a regulation. I, I, and I think my brother knew that. Um, but anyway, so I seemed like a go-getter. So the night before I went to Fort Lee, which is where years ago, 1990, where the judge advocates went um, prior to going to the JAG school. Um, so I went the night before my dad wrote down every enlisted rank for me. Um, and he said, everybody here on this chart knows more than you. Ask them for advice. So he said that. And then he said, um, when you do your first PT test, nobody remembers who did the most push-ups. Nobody remembers who did the most sit-ups, but they'll remember who ran the fastest or run fast. So our first PT test was down at the JAG school, which is right next to UVA law school. It's on UVA's campus. So we did the, um, the test over at the UVA track. So it was an official two mile and I ran 901 um, for the two mile. Um, and that's, that was on a track because I know sometimes PT tests are a little bit out of whack. First sergeant says run from that tree to that fire hydrant, it's two miles and who knows. Um, so after that, the G1 talked to me about the all army track team. So we looked at the regulations. Um, so then I applied for the all army track team, I got accepted. So even though I was a judge advocate, I left and I went to the Presidio San Francisco, which is closed now. Um, and when I got out there and we were there for half a year, we just trained. And I was like, when I got there, I said, do I go to the JAG office? They said, no, you go to the gym. Um, <laughs> and it was great because the Presidio is really good. It's closed now. So we just trained, uh, we raced on the weekends and then we had a culmination event was the uh, inter-service meet against the Marines, the Air Force and the Navy down at Pendleton. So then I would go back to my duty station for six months and go back out and train. And I did this for a couple of years. And finally, my boss said to me, you know, what's your goal, running a law? Because I was kind of falling behind on the law part. Um, so, and I knew, you know, I wasn't going to go to the Olympics. I knew where I stood. So um, I figured I could still run, but just not go back and forth to California every six months. So I can, you know, I just continued running. And my goal was to be in for three years, get something for my resume and then go back to New York. Um, but it was wonderful. I went to Korea and this was night after I finished up with the track team in my first post, I went to Korea, which in 93 or 92 is like, that was as far as you could go from anything. You know, two ID was like the army back in 93, 92. <laughs> um, but I absolutely loved it. Um, so I decided to stay in and I wound up staying in for 26 years. Um, and then I retired and this kind of swings me back to St. John's. Um, my, when I was retiring, I was like, what am I going to do now? Um, so my retirement was like four days. So I retired on a Tuesday and then I'm in the DC area and my coach from St. John's, Matt Sensuitz was coaching that American. So my first day 
of retirement, I was so bored. I watched Quincy MD for two episodes on TV land. <laughs> and then I watched the original Hawaii Five. I was like, I cannot do this for 30 years. So I called Matt and I said, Matt, remember I used to coach and I had stayed in touch with Matt. So I said, you know, remember I used to coach at Great Neck and I need something to do. So he said, yeah, come on board at American. So I started four days later coaching with Matt and American. And then a friend of mine who was into Jack with me was teaching at American. And he said, hey, sometimes I need a sub. Um, can you sub for me? So I started subbing American Constitution. And then there was an opening and then I became a professor. So it's, it's a lot of it with the transition is who you know. Um, because I remember you have to go to that thing when you get out. I think it's called ACAP or something, where they teach you how to wear a suit. They teach you how to write a resume. And they teach you all that. Because um, we don't know that stuff, especially after 26 years. But I was so lucky because I knew Matt with the coaching. I knew Frank Rangusis with the teaching. And I kind of just fell right into that. Um, so the transition was pretty easy um, to me. And it was also great because I, I like my job. It's, 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 it's absolutely wonderful. So I don't like wake up in the morning and think, Oh, I got to go to AU. I think I get to go to AU, which is the exact same feeling I had for 26 years in the army. Every single morning I get up at four 30 to get ready for PT. And I'd always think, you know, I get to go to PT today. Um, and, you know, I didn't think I've got to go to PT. So over the years, you know, throughout my time, I started my first marathon when I was 15 I did one. Um, and then I, throughout my time in the army, I would do them because uh, you're stationed over the world. So you get to see Paris, you get to see Berlin, you get to see Seoul, like doing a marathon. So in March of 2020, right before um, the pandemic started, I was taking a walk with Cam. He was nine at the time. And he really didn't know much about distance. He goes, hey, how far is this walk going to be? I'm like, oh, about three miles. And he's like, what's the furthest you ever did? I said, well, I did 26 miles. I talked about a marathon. I talked about the times I've done them. And he goes, it's 2020. If you do one now, it'd be six decades. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm old. So I said, okay, I'll give it a shot. And then the pandemic came, so they're all canceled. Um, but then this year, you know, with the vaccines, things opening up, I did the Baltimore marathon um, in October. So that gave me six decades. And this also ties into Matt. I talk about Matt a lot is Matt and I were talking once a few months earlier. And he said, listen, when you get older, you got a duty to society to pass down what you know. And he says, you know, I was in the Olympics. My son, Matthew was in the Olympics. I have to pass down running knowledge. Uh, you got to pass down legal knowledge. And I, I agree with that. Um, and then I started thinking, well, I got some running knowledge too, because I've done it, you know, six decades of marathons. So I said, I should write a book about that. So I wrote a book about doing a marathon in six decades, but it's really not a typical bland running book of run five miles a day, stretch this way. Um, I picked one marathon per month and basically talked about everything that went wrong in that marathon to give people, you know, lessons learned. You know, you always do the AAR three ups, three downs. Yes. So um, in my book, it's kind of like the three downs <laughs> for every marathon. It's like, if you, if you're, you know, don't do this, don't, like, don't go to the field for a month at 25th ID and then index is 10 PM and do Honolulu marathon at 5 AM. It's not going to work out well. <laughs> um, so, and don't eat MREs for a month, get ready. Um, so I kind of focused on kind of humorous stories like that. Um, and then missteps, but it's not just the marathon it's running in general. Um, Cause 
you know, the running's a big part of the army. And I remember a lot of times people complaining, like, why do we run so much? I'm like, didn't you, didn't you freaking read the brochure when, before you came in? Like every single recruiting brochure shows people running every single show, like on TV shows, army people running every movie, like Renaissance man and Danny DeVito show people running. What the hell, what the heck, <laughs> what the heck did you think you were coming into it? You can go on a cruise and not go in the water. Um, Even so, stripes, stripes should be running. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, although he said, uh, I think we need some rest today. Um, Sergeant Hoka. Yes, yeah, Sergeant Hoka. <laughs> so, so my book is not just you know the marathon; it's just running in general, um, which is helpful to people in the military, especially the ones who kind of struggle with the two mile on the PT test, um, either the motivation to get ready for it, or you know the the pace. You know, I want to get certain time. I, I need this time for sixty percent. This time for hundred percent. Um, so the book gives tips about how to prepare also for the PT test as well. That's awesome. Man. That was a long intro. I'm sorry about that. Oh, that's I mean, that's a very thorough intro. You can tell you're a lawyer. <laughs> you're in there. You gave me everything right there. You litigated it. It was good. Uh, my first marathon was uh, St. Louis. I, re- I trained halfway for it, St. Louis in 2011. I did it in honor of one of my soldiers who was killed who was from the St. Louis area. I ran it and I got to mile 24-ish. And there was a guy there with a camera to take my picture. And as he took my picture, my legs cramped. Oh, no, no, not now, not now. So I kind of stumbled my way till I can find something. I got some, uh, someone had some pickles. My daughter had a bag of pickles. I ate it, drank it, and I, I finished. I was out of Don't ever take a picture again in a marathon. So that was my first advice to myself right there. Never take a picture in a marathon because you're not done until you cross the finish line. Yeah. So that was my... My first marathon, and I waited till late in my life to start running marathons. So it was 2011. Since then, I think we're, I've run eight since then. So I'm not six decades, but I'm there. <laughs> well, that's great. And, and my book also, t- you talked about the pictures. My book also talks how the marathons changed since the 70s. When I did it in the 70s, there was no such thing as um, Gatorade. I got Gatorade here. Uh, there was no such thing as Gatorade. It was Coca-Cola. My dad, you know, <laughs> was smoking. Um his big thing is smoke him as he got, if you got him. But he was smoking a cigarette, handing me a can of Coke at mile 20, and he told me to kick it in. Um, and marathon entry back then was $4. And the medal for finishing was the size of a quarter. Now I know the marathon medals are, like, huge. Um, you know, people do it for the swag. So the book also kind of talks about the marathons changed over the years. And I'm not complaining because, you know, everything changes, and, you, you know, you just adapt. Um so it's just, it's different. It was good in the seventies. It's good now. It's just different. So my book kind of talks about the transition, how the first time I did Marine Corps marathon, we just drove to Iwo Jima, got onto route 110 and ran. Now you have to sign up six months in advance. It's, you got to go through the entry down in Crystal City. So yeah. it's a little bit different, um, but it's still wonderful. So my book kind of talks about how the marathons transitioned over the years as well. Yeah, my first Marine Corps marathon, I did exactly what you said, like being in the field in Honolulu there in the 25th ID. I was in the field basically for the majority of the three months heading up to my first Marine Corps. I came out long enough to do my longest run before it was the Army 10-miler, which is about a month before the Marine Corps. Yeah. So I did the 10-mile, went right back in the field, came out in time to run the Marine Corps, and it was just painful the whole time. But I had fun because <laughs> I was with people. I just made it through. I, I loved my way through until – I got to Crystal City and there was a guy there with Pat's Blue Ribbon. He said, 
You want a can? You want a cup of beer? So give me the whole can, man. I need the whole can. I <laughs> drink the whole can. <laughs> but but that one, the Honolulu, when I was in the field, I was hallucinating at mile twenty-four. I was with a friend of mine and said, "You go up ahead. I'll meet you at that gas station." And they're like, "What gas station?" I'm like, "That one right up there." And I thought there was a gas station at the top of Diamond Head. <laughs> and it's like now every time I'm in Hawaii, I'm like. This is where I thought there was a gas station, and it's, just, it's nothing. But I was just so out of it, you know. But it, and it happens. But um, you just got to keep, you know, plugging away and keep pushing through. I mean, you did 26 years with Jag, and I'm sure you got to travel everywhere in the world with them. Not just the stateside. You said you got to go to Europe as well, uh, Korea. I was there. I think right after you, after your first tour, there, I was there in 95, 96 ish. My first trip to the island to the peninsula, and. I didn't do anything real good in Korea until my last time there, 2008, 2010, I did a half marathon, ran into the Seoul Olympic Stadium as the finish. That was amazing. Oh, the, those, that's, I have a whole chapter in my book about it. It's called Heart and Soul. Uh, it's about running in Korea and finishing on, on the Olympic Stadium because I've done a few races uh, along the Han River. Yeah. Um, and then you finish inside that stadium. It's wonderful. You, you're on the big Turbotron. Right. Um, <laughs> So, and the Korean people are absolutely wonderful when it comes to running. It's really, um, you know, part of their culture almost. Um, if you mention like, the, you know, certain names, they'll say, oh, that person won the Olympics in 92. Um, yes. and, and you see groups of people running along the Han. So it's, it's absolutely wonderful over in Korea. And one race we ran there, there was a woman running with her purse and high heels on running the half marathon. I was like, there's no way, there's no way. But she was there the whole time. It was my goodness gracious. Yes. yes. And, and, and the, the Korea is really great because they've got that path along the Han River. Um, so it was really good um, because at the time, I've been there three times, been stationed there three times. And one time um, we had a bunch of murder cases um, and we also had the defector, Charlie Jenkins, who came back from North Korea after 40 years. Oh, wow. So there was a lot of um, high profile cases. And I was in charge of all the defense lawyers. So a lot of times my stress would be relieved running along the Han at 10 o'clock at night. And <laughs> my next door neighbor, because I lived off post, he was the chief negotiator uh, between North and South Korea. So sometimes I get on my elevator in my apartment. He would get on, too. And he'd say rough day and he'd say rough day and he'd go whack golf balls down into the river and I'd run along the river um, and he'd release his stress. I'd release my stress. And I think running is a great uh, release for a lot of things. And I used it a lot when I came, when I got out after 22 years in 2015, I used it a lot to get my mind straight just to right. get out and just you escape. I think like, like you've seen that gas station on top of diamond head, <laughs> There's things that when you run, you kind of get into a different world. You kind of find a new yes. oasis and you go. And I'm sure you still do that now as you wake up in the morning, you go to American U and you're uh, sharpening the minds of the next generation. And I'm sure you also still escape in that, in that zone as well. Exactly. Yes. Um, I, I still make time, you know, you know, to run at least an hour every morning, mostly along the CNO Canal um, right near here in DC. But when you talk about the mind, it's really important because um, when I was at the Judge Advocate General School, the uh, commander was General Ayers at the time, and I was running with him one morning, and he said, PT, everyone, everyone gets mixed up with PT. P, everyone thinks PT is just to pass the PT test. <laughs> he said, PT is for your physical and mental health. Um, and he was right, you know, um, that, you know, to get outside in every, every day 
and not look at the clock and, and just you know, let your mind go, it releases a lot of stress. It definitely does. I think it helps more than people always say running hurts, hurts your knees, blah, blah, blah. I think it helps a lot more than that. It helps a lot more than it hurts you as long as you take care of yourself along the way. Yes, exactly. So in your book, you said you have a chapter basically dedicated to each one of your marathons over the time or six or a certain number of your marathons. Yeah, it's six decades. That's so right. I, I, I did one. The first one chapter is about my first marathon when I was in 10th grade. Um, and then my next chat, that's the 70s. The 80s is about the Boston Marathon. I went to the Boston Marathon when I was in law school. I was I got to be careful because this is taped and my students can hear it. But I was um, I was the worst law student ever because um, I was going to night school and everybody had jobs. So the guy next to me was a cop. The first time I ever saw a gun in my life was he had a gun on his ankle. And first night of law school, I looked down and there's a gun. Like He's got his leg crossed and there's a pistol pointing at me. And I, I look and I was like, that's a gun. And then I talked to him and I, it wound up he was a New York City detective. Um, and I, four years I spent in law school hoping I wouldn't get shot by an accidental discharge. So um, in law school, yeah, I was working and, and you know, running and, and doing a bunch of things. So I did the, I, I passed law school. That's all you got to do. So the 80s was about the um, Boston Marathon. The 90s was Honolulu Marathon when we had been in the field for our warfighter. And man, I was so mad at that to this day because Index was supposed to be 10 a.m. And the CG kept wanting to go and wanted to go. And he kept going and going and going. Um, and I remember at 10 o'clock at night, he goes, anyone dumb enough to do the Honolulu Marathon can leave. Everyone else, you got to break down. So I, me and one other guy left. So that was the, the 90 was Hawaii. Um, and then the 2000s, the chapters Heart and Soul is about running in Korea and the Seoul Marathon, which finished in the Olympic Stadium. Um, 2010s is kind of, I call that chapter roller coaster ride because it was kind of up and down because I went to the 2012 New York City Marathon. I got canceled because Superstorm Standy. Right. I went to the 2013 Marathon in Boston. Uh, with the bombing, and, and I had just finished that race, and I was, had gone back to my hotel, and I knew nothing about it, and then my nephew calls me, and he's like, are you okay, are you okay, and I'm like, I'm just tired, and he goes, turn on your TV, and I, I saw what happened, um, so that, so 2010 is like the, the highs and lows of the marathon, that, that decade, and then 2020s is the Baltimore Marathon, which I just did this past October, um, so in in each chapter, it's not just Kevin running. Nobody would want to read that. Um, it's what was going on with the marathon in general. You know, the first running boom, the second running boom, um, boom. Um, how, what was going on in my life, and then the missteps I made, and then what was the actual uh, race about, and then giving tips to people. You know, I don't have a list of do these twenty things, don't do these twenty things. They're all kind of interwoven. Like, you know, I was talking about my first time I did a long run, I brought a can of Coke with me. So I got used to it. Don't do anything in a race you've never done in practice. Um, also train the way you fight. So if you're going to do a marathon with some hills, you better practice on some hills. So my book kind of interweaves all those little tips um, along the way as I tell the story. Um, but it's more of a comedy book. Um, if you ever read, you know, Walk in the Woods by Bryson, uh, his books about doing the Appalachian Trail. It's more about that. It's more about like every 
it's full of stories interwoven as well. Like first time I got to Korea, my cat fell out of a fifth story window and it's in my neighbor's garden. And it, the first day there at seven o'clock in the morning, I speak no Korean. She speaks no English. I got to get my cat out of her garden. So it kind of talks about me trying to meow <laughs> my way to her garden to get my cat back. So it's kind of, you know, stories along the way um, tied into, you know, the running. Of all those marathons, what would you say was your favorite one? Well, and my favorite one's probably not in the book, um, but my favorite marathon ever, well, actually it is in the book. It's the Seoul Marathon. It's just because you're coming into that Olympic stadium. You know what it's like. You go through the tunnel and then you come up and you're on the Olympic track. Uh, So I would say the Seoul Marathon has been my favorite one ever. Um, It wasn't my fastest by any means. Um, but it was just my favorite. The people are so nice. Um, the course was so nice. Um, I got to see Seoul because, you know, been in Korea, you really can't see a lot of Seoul because a lot of traffic <laughs> or you're in the subway. So I actually got to see all the historical sites along the way on the run. So I would think my favorite would be Seoul. And they feed you well when you finish in Korea. As soon as you yes, yes. Place, I'll give you a box of food and you're pretty happy at that point. Yeah, oh, they're they're wonderful. They also gave us blankets. Yeah. Um, they were absolutely wonderful. They gave us tofu soup. Everything yeah. was great. <laughs> I forgot Except about they had a drink called they had a drink in a blue can called sweat. Um, so it must have had like sweat replacement, but I just couldn't drink sweat. <laughs> That's the whole thing. And there's some weird stuff over there you don't want to really venture off into, like cup of bug, cup of worms. And you yes. have to try them at least once, but don't bring it home. Yes. So it's fun times. I'd like to say Marine Corps was a, a good marathon. I've done that five times. I love the Marine Corps marathon, even though I wasn't a Marine, I was an Army guy. But I run it because, you know, why not? Yes. Now you're in the club. You could get in every single year now. Right. I got that letter to this, uh, I think, last week or so, so I'm good. Yes. <laughs> yes that, actually, that helps a lot because the Marine Corps marathon is kind of hard to get into with the lottery and things. Yes. And I, like I haven't got into New York or Boston via lottery or Chicago. So I'm still on the fence of all those without running for charity. If you ever go to New York, there is a Navy lodge at the start. Ah, yes. So it saves all your logistics. It's right at, because the marathon actually starts at Fort Wadsworth, the Coast Guard station. Um, and then they march you up to the Verrazano Bridge. But right on that Coast Guard station, there's a Navy lodge. And you could get a reservation a year in advance and you wake up and you just walk to the start and everybody else has to take a bus and a ferry and everything. Oh yeah, Yeah, definitely. So I I grew up right there in Jersey city. So Staten Island's right there. And this year I was actually at the finish line for the New York marathon just by accident. We went up there to to let my wife and daughter watch Hamilton and we were at the finish line and I got to, got to see the women elites come in. That was amazing watching them come in packed together and then as they made that final turn the breakaway and you can feel the heart rush on all of them and then the first american came in she was amazing coming through as well yes yeah i think um in my in the 2010s chapter i do i talk about new york city because i've done it a bunch of times the, the year got canceled because of sandy but i've done it other times i kind of walk through mile by mile the marathon what's it like it you know the bridges and things like that and I'm sure New York City Marathon is the best way to see the city, like you said, with Seoul, with trains yes. and subway and buses and traffic. The, the city running through is probably the best way to see everything and absorb the five bureaus. 
Yes. And, and actually, the first time I ever did a road race was the 4th of July race when I was in 10th grade. I ran with some of my dad's friends and they said, running road races is the best way to see Long Island on foot. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm tired. You know, I, I want to go back to bed. But it's true. I got to see Berlin on foot. I got to see Paris on foot. So you get to see a lot more of the city. Even Marine Corps Marathon, you get to see all the monuments and all those things that you don't usually see. Even if you live here, most people just, oh, that's Washington Monument. But when you're jogging past it really tired, it really means something. Yeah, that's the Washington Monument. <laughs> yes. I get to see it twice, and then I'm on the past the wall of mile 20. I'm good. Yes. <laughs> And yeah. the, all those are big city races. That's the best part of them because you get to see the things they usually take for granted. And you're not going to see if you just nugging along driving or like you working there, you're not going to go out of your way to go to things because you take it for granted that it's there. Exactly. Yes. So if you had to give advice to uh, someone that's been there, been around a while, I mean, not a young runner, a middle-aged person getting into running, they want to start their marathon journey what would be a good marathon for them to start with? Oh, that's a, that's a, that's a hard question. Um, but it's a good question because, um, and I write about that in my book too, um, is um, it's, it's a balance. The, the really big city marathons like Marine Corps marathon. Um, that's really great to see the city and things like that, but there's a lot of logistics involved getting even to the start. Uh, and there's a lot of people and it's even hard to get into the race. You know, you have, you have to do a lottery, you have to sign up six months in advance. I remember one sign up for Marine Corps Marathon. I was in Cambodia and I was on the internet. And I kept having to give the guy Cambodian money to keep the internet flowing to register. So a, a big city marathon has all that energy, um, which is great for a first. There's, there's going to be people running with you. There's going to be people on the side cheering, which is great. You just have to balance that first, the logistics to actually get to the start line. Um, a, a, getting registered, because sometimes you have to register six months in advance and you might get injured and your money's out the window. Um, and then you actually got to get to the start line. You know, the Marine Corps Marathon now it takes like an hour to go through the metal detectors in right. Crystal City. Um, so New York City Marathon, you have to take a bus, and then the ferry to get to Staten Island. Um, so the race starts at 10 but you might start your day at four to finally get there. Boston Marathon, same thing. You got to take a bus to the, get to the start. So a big city marathon has a lot of energy, um, has a lot of people cheering, a lot of runners with you, which is really great. It's, it's a balance. A small marathon is also wonderful. I, I had a friend of mine, Brendan Mayer at the Jag school with me and he wanted to do a marathon. And I said, there's one right here in Charlottesville. So Charlottesville was a really small marathon, about 200 people. But it was on all the roads we ran on every single day. We woke up in the morning. We drove to the start. We walked right to the start line. We ran. Um, he was very comfortable with the surroundings. Uh, he kind of envisioned, you know, oh, that's 21 Curve Road. Oh, that's the river trail. So he could envision where we were. And then we finished the race, got our can of Coke, and went home. So <laughs> it's a balance. Um, it's what you're comfortable with. Um so Brendan ran, we ran together the whole way. So he had somebody to run with him, um, but there were no people cheering, but there was also no logistics to get to the start. We just, the race started at seven in the morning and we just met there at like 645 <laughs> and stretched for a second, got to the start line and went. Um, right. So he didn't have all that pressure and all that stress with the logistics. 
you know, a big city marathon, think about it, you got to go to the Porta John. You got to wait 45 minutes to, to, to go to the Porta John. Yep. All those different things you have to factor in um, that you don't have to do in a small race. So a lot is kind of your personality. Are you somebody who's um, an introvert and could be like focused inside and can you, you don't need the crowds cheering you on? A small marathon would be perfect because you don't have all the logistical challenges. If you want to be in that big city vibe, a big marathon's great. You just have to be aware of those logistical challenges and you have to not let them stress you out. Because if you do, you know, Marine Corps marathon, you know, going through those gates or New York city marathon, you might be mentally exhausted by the time the gun goes off. Um, Cause you, 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 you know, Marine Corps marathon, you're waiting to go through the metal detectors. Everyone's complaining. Yeah. So you got all the nagging people with the negative energy um, then the Marine Corps Marathon is great. I'm not bashing it. I'm just saying you have to not let that affect you. You have to just push that out and stay inward. Um, so it kind of depends on your personality, which is the best race to go to um, for a first timer. But even a first time I can do a marathon, my first training ever was the old presidential physical fitness um, test in sixth grade. And we had to do the 600 yard run walk. So me and my brother went across the street to the schoolyard. The first night we ran one minute, the next night we ran two and we kept adding a minute and we got up to two weeks later, 14 minutes a night, then took the presidential fitness test. So even if you're running two or three miles a day, you can do a marathon, add a mile a week or something. And then when you're up to 10 miles, you're ready to dive into the marathon waters. Right. And once you, once you get past that, that block of the 10, it, the pain's the same after that it doesn't really matter. Pain exactly. same after you get a certain distance. It's just mental at that point. Do you want to keep breaking through them barriers? And like you said, do you need the bands playing the, the cheerleaders out there in the big city marathons or the rock and roll marathon series? Or is it just a hometown person with someone hitting a pot with a spoon and offering yes. you beer as you drive by there, run by their house? Which one do you want? And then exactly. it comes your cup of tea. Yes. Yeah, so, and I've yeah. done both. My first marathon actually was – in, on Long Island, in, in my hometown, it, it ran a block from my house and it was yeah. all the roads that ran it every single day. So I could, I was able to envision every single thing, um, which was great. Um, but I have also loved New York City, even though there's 50,000 people, I've loved New York City. So um, they're both great experiences. Um, you just really have to think about your first one, especially if it's your first time even doing a race, even sometimes people's first marathon is their first race. Right. And are you prepared for that two hours of stress before you get to the start line? Yeah. And uh, I guess in, engulfing yourself in that chaos prior to actually running and running with 50,000 of your newest friends. Exactly. I usually tell when I, when I coach people, I usually tell them to make a new friend every mile, try to talk yes. to one person every mile. That way it keeps your mind off it. And you got 26 friends at the end of it. They may not ever remember you or you said something insane to them that they, will run away from you to stay in the race and not think about that ever again. So right. That's the best way. And a lot of the big races also have the pace groups right. uh, where you can run with a group of 20 people. Um, and I did that in Seoul. If the, if my pacer walked in the room right now, I'd recognize him. Even though, even though I only spent a few hours with him, I got that close to the guy. And we spoke, he spoke no English. I spoke no Korean, but we ran together through Seoul and it, I could still see his face right now. That's outstanding. Great memory there. <laughs> but a pace guys, I usually just look at him. So I don't want to, I don't want that guy to leave my sights. So I'll stay with him yes. for, for as long as possible. If I start hurting, I don't want to see the next guy I'll stay between the two flags. Yes. Make it. 
So I think that's the best thing. So Kevin, where can people get your book? Oh, it's on Amazon. Let me grab a copy of it. Can you hold one second? It's on Amazon. Um, I got to turn off my screensaver because you, you get the... Um, it, it cuts it away, yeah. Choose virtual background. I want none. There you go. Okay, there we go. And I got the, the Army Strong plaque in the background. Wow, so this is nice. my book. Um, it's called Going, uh, Going the Distance Tales and Tips from Six Decades to Marathons. Um, that's actually my dad and me, <laughs> my first marathon. And my dad is handing me a can of Coke at mile 20. <laughs> so the publisher was getting all these artists and stuff. And I'm like, I just want one of those characters from Coney Island. Have one of those artists do it. <laughs> so, and, you know, I, I, you know, they, they, you know, you go to the boardwalk and they make a funny picture of you. So that's because I, I want the book to be lighthearted. Um, so this is the book. Um, and they, they, except the guy refused to put a cigarette in my dad's hand, um, <laughs> even though he had one. So uh, it's on Amazon uh, or people, you know, can email me and I can mail you a copy if you want me to sign it or something. Uh, and write some messages for you about, you know, tips about running. I'm at Boyle underscore Kevin at yahoo.com. Um, I, don't, I don't mind if people email. I get a billion emails a day anyway. So Boyle underscore Kevin at yahoo.com. And the book is Going the Distance, Tales and Tips from Six Decades of Marathons. And it's on Amazon. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. Again, thank you for your service. And thanks for joining us tonight on Misfit Nation. Oh, great. It was wonderful. Um, I mean, it was really easy talking with you. It was wonderful. Awesome. Appreciate you. All right. Thank you so much. You know how we do this. Thanks for taking some of your time to spend with us on Fit Nation. Be sure to hit that subscribe button and share the link as much as possible. If you want to, please become a supporter to help us carry this thing on. We appreciate you. If you know someone that brings that energy, has a great story, is an up-and-comer in any industry of music, in the arts, have them reach out to us on TheMisfitNation.com. We will get back to them within one day and get them on here so they can share their story with the world. As always, till next time, be humble, stay hungry, and keep hustling. Because we are... Fit, 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 fit Nation.